Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Wednesday, October 27th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Robinhood missed the mark with its latest earnings, while Google's parent company Alphabet exceeded expectations. And UK Chancellor Rishi Sunak will unveil his country's budget today. We'll chat with the FT's Chris Giles about what he's looking for. Plus, Poland's feud with the EU has been escalating. I would say it is probably you know one of the lowest points, if not the lowest point, during Poland's membership of the EU. And it's not clear how Brussels and Warsaw can find room for compromise. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Robinhood did not make off like a bandit last quarter. The company was at the center of the retail trading wave. It listed on the stock market at the end of July, and it was expected to rake in $423 million in revenue for the third quarter. But yesterday, the internet broker announced earnings that fell $60 million short. The FT's investment reporter, Madison Darbyshire, says Robinhood's a little bit of a victim of its own success. So Robinhood's in a pretty tough spot where they've had a pretty unbelievable year of growth, setting all kinds of records, which makes it really hard for them to make that sustainable. So their their revenues from cryptocurrency trading fell almost 80% from the second quarter when there was record-setting volumes, but that's still up 800% from this time last year. One of the things that Robinhood said on their call is they don't see their growth necessarily as linear. It's really hard to maintain the kind of record-setting volumes that we saw in the first half of the year with the whole GameStop trading craze and pandemic-induced retail participation in the markets. Madison Darbyshire is the FT's U.S. investment correspondent. Meanwhile, Google's parent company Alphabet smashed Wall Street's third-quarter profit expectations. The company reported that its revenues rose 40% year-on-year to more than $65 billion. Driving those profits were stronger-than-expected advertising revenues. Apparently, the company's cashing in on a rebound in search traffic, especially searches related to travel. Google was not affected by Apple's new privacy policy, allowing users to limit ad tracking. Apple's move has hurt other internet companies, but Google has its own trove of personal data. But it wasn't all great news. Apple's cloud division fell just short of Wall Street expectations. The company's shares were down 2% in after-hours trading. Today, Britain's Chancellor of the Exchequer will present the UK budget. Rishi Sunak is expected to brandish new forecasts showing the economy grew faster than expected this year, That'll help him trumpet his investment priorities. Here's the FT's economics editor, Chris Giles, who's covering the budget. Well, I'm going to be watching very closely some of the forecasts for things like inflation. I'm going to be looking very closely at what's happening to public spending, particularly in the departments we don't know about. The UK government really is almost a big health service and then has other services attached, but health services now 40% of total public spending. So we want to see what's happening to other government departments because we already know what's going to happen on the health side. And I'm just going to be looking very closely at what the forecasts say about how much long-term damage there is from the pandemic. The independent forecaster 
was saying in March it was going to be about 3% of national income hit. Most advanced economies expect things to be rather better than that. You know, Chris, it, it kind of feels like Chancellor Sunak is constantly being thrown curveballs, right? Like, first there was the pandemic as he was taking office. Now he's contending with these post-pandemic inflationary pressures. It, it's just like one thing after the other. It is. And remember that the UK is a special case when it does budgets. Nearly every country, any sensible country, uh, does it as a process over a, a series of weeks. People understand it. It's not a big secret. Whereas in the UK, essentially, it's a one-day thing. Everything is supposed to be secret in advance. That That's sort of gone by the wayside a little bit in recent years. And then everything is decided on one day. The country has a big Conservative majority in Parliament, nothing will be changed. So there's no discussion beforehand. Big announcement, big parliamentary event, and then a vote, and it will go through. Chris, right now, how much does politics weigh into the drafting of this budget? Oh, hugely. Politics is always massively important in these budgets. The Chancellor Rishi Sunak says, this isn't austerity, but I'm going to be pretty tough with public spending departments. We've already seen quite a lot of tax increases, which have already been announced to help pay for some of the problems arising from the pandemic and to pay for catch-up spending after the pandemic. So politics demands it be quite tight now, hoping that the news gets better in the future so that before the next election, he has room for quite big potential tax cuts or more spending to make everyone feel a little bit happier. Chris Giles is the FT's economics editor. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, Mark. Poland was once seen as the great success of the EU's eastern expansion. Poland joined the bloc in 2004, and the move helped drive a sustained economic boom. But now Warsaw and Brussels are on a collision course. They've been clashing over migration, LGBTQ rights, and now over the rule of law. I would say it is probably you know one of the lowest points, if not the lowest point, during Poland's membership of the EU. That's our correspondent in Warsaw, James Schotter. He says the feud started about six years ago with a change in Poland's government. In 2015, Law and Justice, which is a sort of conservative nationalist party, came to power. They have a different view of the EU from their predecessors. They're more Eurosceptic. They're very focused on national sovereignty. And since then, relations have begun to deteriorate. But the one fight that has run through has been this battle over the rule of law. James, can you unpack what this rule of law issue actually is? Yeah, so the EU requires of its members that they have independent judicial systems. And basically, since law and justice came to power in 2015, the government has embarked on a series of reforms that basically give politicians broader and broader sway over the judiciary. They've also introduced a new disciplinary regime uh, for judges that allows judges to be punished for the content of their rulings. And the EU basically regards these changes as a, as a fundamental threat to the independence of the judiciary in Poland. And you know, as the EU is, above all, a legal order, you know, they regard having a member state with a, without an independent judiciary as a fundamental threat to the functioning of the bloc. So how has the EU responded to Poland's moves? Well, they've adopted different approaches as this fight has gone on. So uh, the EU 
tried to use a procedure called the Article 7 procedure, which um, ultimately, you know, if you get to the end of it, allows for a member states' voting rights in the EU to be suspended. That was always seen as the nuclear option. But the problem from the point of view of the uh, European Commission is that it requires unanimity among member states. And Hungary, which is a close ally of Poland, has made clear that it will veto any attempt to use that mechanism. Since then, the, the approach that the Commission has been taking has been to take Poland to the Court of Justice of the EU, so the EU's top court. And that court has indeed ordered Poland to reverse various elements of you know, its judicial overhaul. And then, as we've reported, the EU put more pressure on Warsaw by delaying the approval of Poland's 36 billion euro post-COVID recovery package, and then Poland shot back with its own threat, right? Like all member states, they have a veto on anything that the EU wants to do that requires unanimity. And uh, when it became clear that the EU was going to take a hard line on Poland, various politicians from the, from the ruling camp made clear that Poland could respond by blocking key parts of the EU's agenda. I mean, the, the Green Deal is one element that uh, politicians in Warsaw have raised. Could we see Poland leave the EU, James? I think in the short term, it's, you know, it's very unlikely for various reasons. One is that you know, member states can't be expelled, so there's no way anyone can force them out. And on the other hand, Polish support for membership of the EU is incredibly high. I mean, you know, poll after poll suggests that you know, 80, 85, 90% of polls want to stay in the EU. James Schotter is the FT's Central Europe correspondent. Thank you, James. Thanks very much. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. If you own or operate a business whether it's a local operation or a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.